This is episode 308, Taking Care of Your Parents with Tanya. Welcome to Over It and On With It. I'm your host, Christine Hassler, and for over a decade, I've been a life coach, speaker, and author. Each week, you'll hear me work directly with a caller as I coach them through a goal they want to accomplish or an obstacle they may be facing. I'll provide a blend of practical and spiritual advice as well as tangible actions you can apply to your own life. Now, let's get on with the episode. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to the show. Thank you again to everyone who's been leaving ratings and reviews of the show. I'm so grateful. Again, once you do that and submit your review to christinehassler.com slash review, you get entered into a pool to get a free 30-minute coaching session with me, and I'll be announcing the winner of that within the next couple of weeks. So it's not too late to go to iTunes, leave a rating and a review, take a screenshot of it, and then submit it to christinehassler.com slash review. Well, I am coming to you from California. Steph and I decided to spend a couple weeks out here. We spent a week back in San Diego, well, North County, San Diego, Encinitas, where we used to live. And now we're spending a week in LA where I lived for nearly 20 years of my life. It's where my whole adulthood took place. So much happened for me in LA. Oh my goodness. It would take me, you know, at least three episodes to go into everything that happened here. And it's been a great trip for us, you know, to be back in the place where we lived together and started our relationship and marriage. And then to be here in LA, which has been a trip down memory lane for me. And it's been cool to show Steph some of my old stomping grounds and relive the many different lives I lived here. I mean, I had my life as an agent. I had my life, you know, when I was married to my ex-husband, I had my life starting my business and writing my books and being an entrepreneur and then going through divorce and being single and so many things. And I think it's helpful to go back to the past sometimes. You know, I know there's so much emphasis on now and the future and revisiting past versions of ourself can be very, very healing. I've had many conversations with younger versions of myself and just have told her, you know, how proud I am of her and how far she's come and all these different chapters of her life have, some have been hard, (laughs) but they all have led to here. And so I encourage you, maybe there's a place you used to live that you want to revisit and you want to maybe take your family now, your partner now, or friend now, or just go back by yourself and spend some time really reflecting on who you were and how you've grown. I think those reflective times are important for us because reflecting on our past selves really helps inform our future selves as well. Today's episode, I think, is going to strike a chord with a lot of you. I know a lot of you are living in what's called the sandwich generation, meaning you're a parent and you're taking care of your kids, but you're also faced with taking care of your parents. Now, you may not be quite a sandwich in that you don't have kids and you're still taking care of your parents. And that presents some challenges and some difficulties and a lot of emotions. And today's caller, Tanya, is in that position where she and her brother are taking care of her father, who's elderly and also is recovering from an accident and and needs that round-the-clock care. And with it presents a lot of questions and a lot of emotions. And so I think you're going to find today's episode really valuable. Even if you're not in that situation, I talk about grieving parents and moving through loss and anybody can relate to that one. So as you're listening to this call, consider 
do you like to have control? <laughs> Would you rather have control than massive uncertainty? And do you do better in the known than the unknown? Do you deal with a lot of guilt if you're not doing what you think you're supposed to be doing or taking care of people in the way that you're supposed to? Have you already lost a parent or are you on the brink of losing a parent? Do you struggle with what's the right thing to do when it comes to caring for your parents? So keep all these questions in mind as you listen to my coaching call with Tanya. Before we dive in, I just want to announce that we are opening up enrollment for our coaching training program, the Elementum Coaching Institute. This class will be graduating in September and doors will open for our next class, March, 2022. However, you're going to want to take advantage of early bird pricing because you get $2,500 off tuition. So go to elementumcoachinginstitute.com. Elementum is spelled E-L-E-M-E-N-T-U-M. So just think L-E-E-L-E-M-E-N-T-U-M, Even though we don't begin until March, we sold out this first class in about two weeks. So if you really are feeling the pull and the call to get trained as a master coach, this is a very intensive, thorough training. It's unlike anything out there. Then you're going to want to apply soon and hopefully get your spot. So again, elementumcoachinginstitute.com. All right. And now on to my coaching call with Tanya. Tanya, welcome to the show. How can I help? Hi, Christine. Thank you so much for having me. I've been mm. a huge fan for many years now. Mm. So essentially, a uh, little backstory. My dad was involved in a pretty serious car accident about three months ago, and it resulted in three brain surgeries. He had a brain bleed, which they did a craniotomy for. Um, mm. Ten days later, he rebled, and they had to end up doing a second craniotomy and then another surgery to kind of find the arteries to stop the bleeding. Mm. So he was in and out of the hospital for two months, and now he requires a lot of care. Um, he can't live on his own anymore. Uh, my mom passed away about 13 years ago, so family-wise, it's me and my brother, my husband and my brother's girlfriend for his caretaking. Okay. I also have a seven-month-old son and a full-time job, so... Ooh. Needless to say, uh, the past few months have been extremely stressful for me. Fear of, you know, when the phone rings, like it's the hospital, the insurance companies, and, you know, anxiety about how is, how are we going to handle all of this now? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's, it's a lot, my love. It's a lot. <laughs> Just a full-time job is enough. Just a seven-month-old is enough. But to deal with not only the shock of your dad being in a bad accident and needing surgeries, but also all of a sudden being his parent in so many ways <laughs> is a lot to process. So first I just want to normalize the anxiety <laughs> because I think most humans would have that emotion right now. So can you just first make it okay to be feeling what you're feeling? Yeah. 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 And just a couple clarifying questions. Is he still in the hospital or is he living with you? So no, he was discharged about a month ago. So he's actually living with my brother now and his girlfriend. And then they live in another state, but it's okay. still within driving distance. He was with us for a little bit and it was essentially 
with my son and my job, I had to actually end up taking a couple weeks of uh, medical leave from work because of all the follow-up doctor's appointments mm-hmm. and uh, hiring, you know, a caretaker or scheduling physical therapy, occupational therapy. And so the stress of it was way too much for me. So I ended up taking a bit of leave from work. And I spoke with my brother, who also is actually, of course, very busy himself. He's still in training for his medical program. And he Mm. actually has like his board exams in a month. And we ultimately decided that it would be best that my dad go stay with him but also it's a lot of stress on him as well. And my husband has been trying to start his own uh, business actually for a couple of years now, but we had the pandemic and then we had our son and then my dad's accident. And so he's also put his career on hold for our family. And a lot of guilt comes up with that too, that, you know, my husband's sacrificed a lot. My brother has sacrificed a lot and yeah. And And is your dad coherent? Can he communicate? He is, yes. So he can uh, walk, he can eat by himself, but he does need a lot of oversight, essentially, because now he's a fall risk. Okay. So, Well, in terms of being able to communicate, that's what I'm really curious about. How is he at that? Can he do that? He can, in some sense. Uh, He does have some signs of dementia. Okay. So if you talk to him about certain things, he will somewhat conversate with you, but then after a little bit, he just kind of forgets what the conversation was uh, and processing is a little bit delayed for him as well. Okay. Given all that, has he expressed any of his wishes? He always says he doesn't want to be lonely. He's been very strong and vocal about wanting companionship in life And that's why we thought it was best that he stay with either one of us versus putting him in a nursing home. Mm -hmm. Oh, this is such a tough one because there's what he wants and then there's what's best for everyone. Yeah. Because oftentimes putting, and I don't, we're just talking this out, but oftentimes putting someone in a home where they're around other people and they have care is, I mean, depending on the situation, it can be better for the family and also better for the the parent as well, because it's, it's a lot when your, your son or daughter is taking care of you and your brother Mm -hmm. has a life and a job. And let's just say one day he's not home and your dad falls when he's away. Then your brother lives with the guilt of that Mm -hmm. for the rest of his life. Like it sounds like he's going to need round the clock care. Mm -hmm. And you know, I know not all nursing homes are the same, but some are, you know, great in terms of he's going to be with other people and he can socialize and he will have that round the clock care. What would be your ideal? I mean, I know obviously the ideal would be he'd never have this car accident, but <laughs> given the situation and, and all the facts, what would be your ideal? And I just encourage you to, to be, for lack of a better word, selfish. Don't mm-hmm. worry about being a good daughter or saying the right thing, like if you could just have it your way, what would you want in this situation? I mean, I would want, I honestly would want him to be with one of us because we have already lost our mom Mm -hmm. and it's a lot of fear of losing our dad now. 
And we are, you know, I feel like right in the prime of our lives. My father actually had us a little later in life. So he's in his 80s. Okay. And my brother and I are in our 30s. So it's also been really tough to have a much elderly parent. Yeah. Comparatively to, you know, my friends. So there's also a lot of loneliness in what I'm going through Mm -hmm. because of that. And so I think it's more of grasping on to what's left of our little, little unit that we do have. But then I do see in that sense of the care is, is that's the tough part. It's like the emotional part and then the practical part. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Exactly. And in, in many ways, you're already starting to grieve your dad. You know, you're already starting that. And who knows, as things get worse, it may require putting him somewhere or getting somewhere to live, someone to live with your brother, you -hmm. know? Um, But I think that it's, and I know this probably isn't comforting, but it's probably important for you to start grieving now instead of hang on. Because the other thing that I feel is important when a loved one is in a situation where their quality of life is really declining. I know for me, if my quality of life is really declining, I'd rather die sooner than have years of just a really bad quality of life. Mm -hmm. And when we are hanging on and not letting go to someone, that can sometimes create like an energetic obligation for them to stay longer. Mm -hmm. So one thing I'd suggest, and, and you have to feel into this, is allow yourself to start letting go and allow yourself to start being as okay as you can be with your dad passing because it sounds like the quality of his life is going to get worse, not better. Would you agree? Yeah. Yeah. And that's what scares me. I know. I know. I really hear that. And especially with your mom gone. And it that's real. And let yourself <laughs> feel that. And let yourself grieve that, you know, some of the anxiety maybe because maybe because there's such big emotions coming up. You know, when a parent gets close to dying, all kinds of stuff about our relationship with them can come up. And you've mm-hmm. probably been so focused on the surgeries and moving him to your brothers and everything like that, that a lot of the really big feelings that a lot of this is probably triggering you haven't really been able to deal with. And so some of the anxiety may be the suppression of those big feelings. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of comparison also. I think that I'm trying to downplay in the sense that, you know, like I will see friends and they have all their parents alive and healthy and helping, taking care of the grandkids. And I... And my heart aches when I see that. Um, I don't live close to my in-laws, but that's actually something that we have been reevaluating to move closer to them Mm -hmm. because of this as well. Mm -hmm. And it really, the comparison, I think, just sends me into a spiral. And when I see that, because it's like, I want that. I wish, you know, my parents were alive and healthy and able to watch their grandson grow up. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So you're grieving that too. Yeah. I said in the show, I think last week, there's two deaths we have to grieve of our parents, their actual physical death Mm 
and the depth of the ideal, like the depth <laughs> of what we wish we would have had. So yeah, this is a, you're in a grief process. Even yeah. though he's still alive, you're in a grief process because it's bringing up all of this. And mm -hmm. it's a real thing to, I don't necessarily think you're in comparison. I think that you're in grief. You're seeing something that you long for. And I could tell you all kinds of things like, well, these are the parents you chose and you can create this with your own family. And those are all nice platitudes and maybe true in a lot of ways, mm -hmm. but it doesn't, it, it doesn't negate the fact that this is a real sense of loss for you. Right. And my best encouragement is to let yourself be in the loss and be in the grief. I know that's not really uplifting and maybe not what you want to hear, but it will make the actual passing of your father a lot different. And it will make decisions that you make come from a more intuitive, grounded place. Because if you're hanging on to an ideal or what you wish could be, your decisions will be influenced by that. And you may make decisions that aren't really in the highest good of everybody involved. Do you know what I mean by that? Right. I I can see that. Yeah. I tend to hold on to an image of what I had hoped my future brought. And right. that's not what's happening. And right. then when I start kind of future planning uh, the tears to come and the heart and heart starts racing and just feel a lot of fear of, of the unknown. Definitely. Yeah. Well, here's yeah. what we know. He's going to die. So am I, so are you yeah. like that's certain. Yeah. And it's, I keep coming back to, it seems like a big lesson for you in this Tanya or forget the word lesson, big opportunity, a big healing opportunity for you is to let go of attachment and I'm sure we could talk about other areas in your life where you have a plan of the way things you want things to be. Yeah, maybe you had a plan of when you wanted to get married, had a plan of when you wanted to have a baby or how you wanted the birth to go. And I'm sure that you've, you've learned maybe the hard way sometimes that the more attached we are, the bigger the risk of the expectation hangover and the bigger the risk that we can't really tap into our own intuition. So it sounds to me like instead of bracing yourself and trying to control this situation and trying to just be in action mode, the encouragement and the opportunity is to step more into the feeling mode and into grieving and into like looking at maybe things in your relationship with your dad that you haven't quite processed. Because the more you do that, the more the chance of you having some pretty big ahas and being able to have some powerful conversations and connections with him before he dies. You know, the, the good news about having a death that's kind of prolonged versus if he had just died in that car accident is that you have some grace, you have some time to really look into the relationship and how you want to complete it. But if you're too preoccupied with the logistics and the anxiety and the trying to control it, you're going to miss out on that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, I mean, you nailed it. I definitely have that kind of personality where I need the control. And if things don't go my way, it's, it's devastating. Yeah. 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 Believe me, I can relate to that. I think we all can. <laughs> we all can. Whereas like you're going through something right now that is devastating. Mm-hmm. 
So let yourself be devastated. And what I have learned about grief is that if we actually allow it, because a lot of times we think, oh, well, then I'm just going to be miserable and I'm just sulking in it and I'm just in victim and I'm never going to get out of it. But I have found when we just allow grief and allow the authenticity of whatever it is we're feeling and not try to like put ourselves in a different place, the more it moves through. Like if you allow this, I don't see you sitting around crying all day. It's not like you're going to be in it 24 seven, but you're just not fighting with what's coming up. And you can even, you know, tell in the conversation we're having, the emotions starting to come up, memories are starting to come up, tears are starting to come up. Like there's, there's a lot of emotions here that have been a little bit muted by all the anxiety and all the logistics and all the like, what do we do with him kind of thoughts and conversations, which Mm -hmm. has a gripping to it. Yeah. I think that has consumed all of us. Sure. Yeah, like the coordination of care, you know, when is the physical therapist coming? When are his doctor's appointments? And all while trying to handle our own lives. Yeah. And it just takes over and it's so tough to keep going sometimes. Yeah, yeah. And if there is a way to, I don't know if there is a way financially, logistically for you guys to get some help with that. So Mm -hmm. you can just focus on being the kids and not full-time caretakers. I would explore that, you know, have a conversation, the four of you, you, your husband, your brother's girlfriend, Mm -hmm. look at money, look at finances, look at options and go, okay, it's great that we as a family have really stepped up here and we're going to burn out. So what can we do? What resources can we pull in to feel a little bit more supported so we can actually just enjoy our dad and not be full-time nurse and administrator, you know? Yeah, right. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. That's definitely something we've talked about. Um, I think a lot of it comes to, again, that sense of control where, especially my brother and I, I think we just always need to know what's going on. Yeah. And we are, you know, when he was in the hospital because of COVID, you know, it's like one or two person restriction. And we, one of us is calling, Hey, how did he do last night? Did he take his medicine? Did he eat? And it's, it's just so tough. Consuming. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this is the part I'm asking you both to surrender a little bit and get some help with. And remember, like, there's a lot you can do, but at the end of the day, this is his journey. This is his destiny. And I think if he were sitting here coherent with me right now, he'd want to be able to enjoy you as as his children and not just his caretaker. And of course, he's saying he doesn't want to be alone because he's scared. Mm -hmm. I really, really get that. But that doesn't mean it all has to fall on you and your brother. Yeah, I agree. I think that's just the tough part. Yeah, this is yeah. this is all tough, Tanya. Yeah. This is a tough situation. It is. And it also is temporary. It also is temporary. So do your best not to be so consumed with the anxiety and the logistics and trying to control and plan. Feel, process your relationship with your dad. Have the conversations you want to have with him really allow this to be a revelatory time for you and give him permission energetically to go. 
you know, don't let your gripping keep him, keep him here longer when his quality of life is really suffering. Yeah. I know. I think selfishly it's, I'm having a tough time with that reversal now. Um, you know, being a mom all myself now, but also, I mean, being a motherless mom, Mm. potentially soon a parentless mom. Yeah. And uh, it's really just that gut-clenching feeling of, I don't want this. I know. I know. I know. This is the life that has been put in front of us. Right. It is. Right. And acceptance, right, as you know, doesn't mean we like it. It just means we stop trying to make it different. Mm -hmm. Because if we're too focused on trying to make it different, we can't really appreciate what we have. And yeah, being a parentless parent is, is not easy. It's not. And, and you will find your way, Tanya, through that. And you will attract other elders and mentors into your life that obviously can't replace, but can be that support. If it's that important to you, it will happen. Yeah, I think so. It's, I've always just believed in that big family unit. And thankfully, I do have that with my in-laws. But it's like you said, I mean, yeah, no, nobody can replace your parents. And that's, right. that's where that sadness, just utter sadness and grief comes into play. Yeah. Well, and how beautiful that you have parents you're going to miss. Yeah. Yeah. That's a gift. They were here during the most important times. Right. But then I guess when the thoughts come up, they won't see their grandson grow up. How, how do I navigate through that? They will, just not in 3D reality. Yeah, it's true. And you have one, soon to be two guardian angels looking out over him. Which, I don't know about you, but if I was a mom, I'd probably worry a lot And I take great comfort in having two guardian angels looking over my baby. Yeah, it's true. And I think as your dad transitions, you'll start to have more of a relationship with both of them on the other side. I know it's not the same as having them physically here, but I encourage you to open up to that connection. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. And I'm sorry for what you're going through. No, thank you. But it won't be like this forever. I promise. Yeah, that's where it's tough to keep in mind, I guess. Yeah. I think because the past few months were just so chaotic. Yeah. Yeah. It was just like, what is, what is going to happen now? Yeah. Yeah, now you're settling in and you find your groove with your brother and it's like you're kind of out of trauma mode Mm -hmm. and now you're in, okay, this is where we feel heal and deal. Yeah. You've been in trauma mode for months. Absolutely. Yeah, so now it's time to calm the nervous system, feel your feelings, make authentic proactive decisions from that place, not from a PTSD place. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeah, my body's just been in overdrive. Of course. Yeah. 
And it's so important to do this too for your baby, right? Because his nervous system mirrors yours. So do you feel any different than you did when we first started talking? I do. Um, I think there's a sense of relief Mm -hmm. and almost like a sense of like you giving me permission that it's okay to start grieving him now. Yes. Um, Because I think I, because I do have that type A personality, I need the control that it's okay to start letting go a little bit. Yes. I really feel that's in the highest good for everybody here. Yeah. I feel that I always have to be doing something or have an answer or have a plan. Yep. And it just sends my mind spiraling. Yeah. Yep. Yep. That's the, the contrast to surrender. You know, when, when we can really surrender and trust and just be with what is, that's the work of consciousness. That's what we're all here to learn. Mm-hmm. So this is a huge part of your soul curriculum. And I think this conversation, I encourage you to listen to it when it airs, this conversation is the opening for a lot of the letting go and the surrender and the trust you're about to step into. Because when type A personalities find their spiritual side, oh, it's such a relief. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it is is nice to have that. Yeah. And it's... I think it's just tough for me sometimes when I guess quote unquote bad things happen and I'm like, well, wait, yeah. You know, why are you picking on me? I've actually had that thought before. Yeah. (laughs) Why is the universe, why is God picking on me? Well, that's when I do some anger work with God and then I let him have a piece of my mind. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I get that. There's just so much on the human level we don't understand. That's why surrender is so important. Because if life went exactly according to our plans, that wouldn't be the human experience. We're here to grow and learn. And sometimes that requires some really, for lack of a better word, shitty things. Mm -hmm. But I know you're going to get to the other side of this. And I know that your connection with your dad is going to be even stronger. Thank you. Thank you to Tanya for your honesty and your vulnerability and for bringing forward such an important topic that so many of us can relate to. So there's a couple things I want to highlight from this call. First, when it comes to making choices for really anyone we love, it can feel so hard not to let guilt get involved, not to let obligation get involved, not to have all those should voices in our head. And often when we allow guilt and obligation into our decision-making, we aren't making the choices that are truly in the highest good for everyone concerned. And I know right now, Tanya and her brother's choice is to have her father living with her brother. And a lot of that choice comes from him saying he doesn't want to be alone and from them wanting to preserve the family. And that may be the best choice in their circumstances And in your circumstances, or even in theirs down the road, they may require assistance because quality of life for everyone involved is important. And again, 
that guilt and obligation, oh, it can just be so hard to really know what's best, what's best. And of course, anyone is going to prefer to live with a family member rather than go into unknown. But sometimes being placed in a home or with caretakers where they are being, you know, watched 24 seven, they do have other people around them sometimes is the option that's for the highest good. Again, it's such a personal decision and taking guilt and obligation and blame and shame out of the decision is so important. You know, for some of you, you may be super clear, I'm taking care of my parent or parents. That's what feels right to me. I don't care what I have to sacrifice. And that may feel really true for you. And others may feel, I feel like I should, I feel guilty if I don't but I really don't want to. And I just want to say, that's okay. It's okay to feel that way. You know, I know a lot of new mothers have the guilt of, you know, those first few months and just being like, oh my God, this is hard. There are times I really don't like this. And they're so afraid to say it because so much guilt and shame comes up. And it prevents us as people from really being able to honor our feelings and to navigate the many different emotions and perspectives and thoughts of being human and going through life-changing experiences and dealing with family members and people that are difficult, that are sick, that are hard, that are challenging. It's, it's a lot. And so I just want to make it okay for you to choose something that quote unquote may feel selfish but really is self-honoring and would be in the best interest of everyone involved. Again, there's no one-size-fits-all approach to big decisions like what to do with an aging parent. You can't listen to outside sources or even other family members. You really got to tune into you, to your immediate family, and go, what's the best here for everyone involved? And make that decision from love, not guilt. Another big thing that came up for Tanya in this episode was preserving the family. There's a level of grief she's avoiding, which makes perfect sense. She lost her mom. She had a scary accident with her dad. Now she's about to lose him. She sees her friends be around their parents and be or have their parents be grandchildren to their kids. And that's, that's hard to see that and to know she doesn't have that. So she's gripping on to any family that she has. And that gripping may impact her relationship with her father now and her ability to make choices. So my coaching to her was really allow herself to start to grieve. Yes, her father is still there, but the more she hangs on to preserving the family, to wanting it to be a certain way to control, the more she's avoiding the emotions. And you heard her share that it is a pattern of hers to grip onto that control and to avoid uncertainty. So this is a massive life lesson for her. And as I told Tanya, and I'll tell all of you again, there are two deaths we have to grieve of our parents. There's their actual physical death. And then there's the death of the ideal. You know, she has to grieve. She didn't have young parents. She didn't have parents that can be grandparents to her kids. All of that stuff brings forward a lot of emotion. And the more that she can get into that and start to grieve it and start to feel it, the more she's going to be able to maybe have some heartfelt conversations with her dad, to open her heart more, to really spend his last few months or years in that open place of love. Because when we allow ourselves to grieve, our heart breaks open. 
It really, really does. When we grip in control and certainty, there's a bit of a wall and we can't have that vulnerability and that intimacy that's so possible with people as they approach death. So my encouragement to her and my encouragement to you is don't wait to grieve until someone dies. Allow yourself to start the process, to have the feelings. Yes, still enjoy their life, but don't grip on and just hold and and prevent yourself from feeling all the feelings in order to preserve something. Because when that person does transition, it just makes it that much harder. And if you open your heart and allow yourself to grieve, like I said, oftentimes that can open up conversations and moments with loved ones that you will remember for the rest of your life. All right, everybody, that's the show for today. Sending you so much love and many blessings. Until next time. Thank you for listening to Over It Non With It. I love hearing from you. So please post your comments or questions at christinehasler.com slash podcast. That's also the place you can sign up to receive coaching from me in an upcoming episode. And if you love this show, please share it and subscribe on iTunes. You can find all my social media handles and sign up to be part of my community at christinehasler.com. Until next week, here's to getting over it and on with it. Much love and many blessings. Blessings.